Circuit Cast with your host, Mark Amory. Well, kia ora koutou. welcome here to the Circuit Cast Bunker and joining me for a bit of a critical discussion, a bit of a jam around a recent exhibition of interest, I have writer Thomason Slay and writer and lecturer Martin Patrick. Well, our subject today is Acting Out, a group exhibition at the Adam Art Gallery curated by gallery curator Stephen Cleland. And it's been described by the gallery as a selection of New Zealand and international artists who address the physicality of the body. The exhibition presents artworks produced over the past four decades that in various ways exhibit relations between bodies and forms, situating the body as both the subject and means for producing their work. These practitioners investigate the ongoing entanglement of the body with the making of art. It's just quite a broad statement. Um, and then, of course, is the title, Acting Out. Stephen Cleland mentions that the title alludes to the childish and adolescent tendency to act up. Mr Beaners as a necessary rite of passage towards adulthood. I wanted to first to ask you guys what you think the show is about. So I actually made a little list of things that I thought the, the, the show was about as I was wandering around um, and put some artists alongside them. And, and it's a very sort of uh, a perfunctory list. But I put, so how bodies are used to make art, so the actual physicality of um, the construction of work, and then also art that actually references and looks like bodies, art that also references sexual and bodily uh, conventions and behaviours, and then also work that invades your bodily space was my list. So I was kind of thinking, I think that Stephen is looking around all these issues and bringing, weaving together works that aren't kind of obviously directly sort of referent, but are kind of tracing, you know, various issues to do with the body, physical space and that kind of thing. So it's quite uh, sort of wide reaching, I would say, and quite broad. But um, yeah, those were the things that I thought the show was about. Lots of interesting connections. What a great summary. Martin, <laughs> did you have any thoughts on the theme? Well, I was just inter interested hearing what your, um, your your notes there because on one level also one thing that was uh, articulated I think quite uh, at length and quite explicitly in, in Stephen Cleland's catalog essay is the notion of gender politics and, and the gendered quality of the works and and that's not maybe the first thing you're highlighted in, in your list and so I find that interesting but also that for me, I guess, you know, we always do a sort of um, shorthand that isn't always fair to a show. And when I was looking at this, I thought, okay, great. It's kind of a, uh, a show maybe dealing with performance and performativity. But then I actually found it more of an image and object-based display and, and exhibition, though most of the artists do have, yeah, it's about how, how the embodied artist is, is carrying out certain uh, tasks to make a work or intersecting with representations of the body. But I, but I found uh, it was kind of a very lateral show in the sense that um, there are several different foci in it that, uh, or focus that you could have, but it, it seems almost hard to make them all cohere. I yeah. mean, quite a daunting task. Yeah, as soon as you come up with one idea about the show is out, the whole of the artists fall out of that bag yeah. to me. Uh, one thing that you, I think you sort of hint around is this thing that uh, is there also in the introduction in, in the catalogue uh, where there's a quote from Jack Body, which is really about that whole thing of New Zealand as the passionless people, emotional inhibition, sort of restraint, this slight bloodless strain that we sometimes get accused of in our art. 
And there's certainly a strain of that for me in the show. Do you mean a kind of um, restriction of sexuality or restriction of kind of connection to the to the body? Is that what you... Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so, definitely. But the, the, also the, the, there are these kind of like entry points into where that's not the case. I think the Edward Bormore sculptures are, are perhaps one of the more interesting things in the, in the show. They're not seen very often, but these works that this New Zealand artist made while he was living with his family in London in the 1960s, they feel very counter, almost like the anti-McCann or, or something. They're kind of like almost out of space or something to the whole art historical canon that we have in New Zealand. That they're these colourful 3D paintings that are sort of stretched like pieces of furniture. They're kind of very sexualised, vulva-like shapes. And they're, they're very theatrical um, and quite unlike a lot of other New Zealand work of that time. Mm. I found those works really revelatory to see, actually. And that was one of the, I think, I mean, one of the strengths in general at the Atom is sometimes to really historicize some under uh, little seen artworks or artworks that sort of aren't uh, maybe directly placed within certain canonical lineages. And so when that happens, which doesn't always, but that that's really exciting. And so Bulmore's work just seemed, I don't know, I saw echoes of a lot of artists that I don't know whether he would have intersect paths with or what, but but that sort of gives me the feel that, I mean, I sort of felt like there were connections with um, a lot of early uh, um, sort of post-minimalist art and feminist practice and uh, Lee Bontecou's sculptures from the from the 60s, early 70s. But I mean, I just think there there's a, a kind of uh, intensity to those works that just seems quite peculiar and idiosyncratic in comparison to a lot of the the sort of um, standard bearers of that era that are often shown in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah there's a quote in the catalogue that I found really illuminating, which was where Bullmore talked about how he was interested in taking an object, um, in this case um, I think most of the works were based on chairs, and pushing them out to that space beyond being a chair and just seeing where the tipping point is between of an object, essentially, when it loses its innate qualities um, and becomes something else. And I love the tension that that's set up and is very kind of almost palpable, actually, in that low gallery space um, in the Adam, that sense of uh, objects being twisted and pulled and opened up. Um, and there is a, th- I guess there is a sort of theatricality in that as well, but then he pulls it back, he pulls it back. He's always working in that liminal space between something being not what it is, which I really Yeah, well, that kind of makes me think that there is another really strong theme that does run through the show is this kind of ambiguity of objects, but also sexual ambiguity and a kind of a sense that it's, not one thing and, and or, or, or another, but it's kind of playing with that fluidity that sort of entered um, sexual politics in the 60s and the 70s. It sort of runs through quite strongly a lot of the work, political ambiguity as well. Yeah, I sort of felt a little bit, going back to that quote you talked about, um, Mark, uh, that started off, that sort of Stephen uses to start off the, the whole discussion um, about New Zealand in the 60s and 70s. I felt like that kind of grounded this discussion of politics in a very particular time and place, which I then felt was kind of problematic um, as a sort of leaping off point because the work, because the show is very wide-reaching, it's very broad, it brings in international artists, um, women and men working from various different viewpoints, that this, the sense of the politics of this show for me was actually kind of a bit diluted because... Uh, there was there was too much going on. There was people speaking from too many different viewpoints, too many times, um, that to actually kind of unpack 
uh, kind of social or political conventions was it, it, it sort of fell fell a bit flat for me. I think because it was too broad. I think was the was the issue there. But what what I found was kind of interesting, and I agree with that point of it sort of being um, almost uh, very difficult to pull all of that uh, all of the dif- different works together. But one thing that I found especially um, kind of helpful in going through the show was uh, seeing, say, the Pipilotti wrist work or Sarah Lucas's work because there's such an interesting use of humor and humor bring perspective to sexuality and to, uh, you know, this idea. I mean, in Pipilotti wrist video is a kind of parody satire of tropes of pornography pickle porno yeah but she also uh, as as is quoted in the catalog you know she she uh uh mentions uh, psychedelia but most of um risk work has this kind of really intense um focus on the on the human condition but it's always done with this this ridiculousness and a lightness and a sort of uh sort of saying that we are very, very absurd creatures. And then, and then you go from this little viewing box where you're watching this, this very uh, almost lurid kind of bright colored video down to um, on the, the bottom uh, uh, floor, you have um, huge prints by Sarah Lucas of some of her, her photographs that owe a lot to a kind of Duchampian play and a kind of, um, and of course, she was one of the YBA artists once once upon a time had worked with Tracy Emin and had sort of done a lot of things to challenge kind of normative uh, uh, representations of uh, uh, femininity and masculinity. And, and you have, uh, you know, giant print in which a, a chicken is lying on a, on a crotch where you're just seeing the body. And but it's so huge and so ridiculous, it kind of... Um, I thought it was an interesting counterpoint to kind of looking at, say, the New Zealand um, uh, body art and performance of the the late 60s, early 70s, you know, because uh, sometimes that work ends up looking a little solemn in its, in its um, uh, at least its uh, residual portrayal in the gallery. Yeah, know? I mean, I mean, the Adam shows sometimes can seem a little bloodless, but this show does have, there's a lot of humour that runs, runs through it, um, Constantly, I loved how with the the Pippolotti wrist pickle porno movie, which you're watching in curtains, if you peek through the curtain and down to the Sarah Lucas, you just see straight in there that 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 chicken. Yeah, I actually <laughs> found the, the whole setup of the curtained uh, viewing room was pretty funny in, in its own right. Because I went back to see the show several times, and I felt the gallery attendants might wonder why I was spending so much time in this slightly <laughs> dodgy curtained room. It's kind of got this, I don't know, shitty psychedelic kind of aesthetic that seems yeah. almost quite popular now. But I know it's from 1992 when the technology wasn't so great with the, you know. That that sort of backgrounding, but uh, uh, the work I found she found really mesmerising. Yes, yeah, without same. it being arousing in the absolute slightest. This kind of close up, I think, using a security camera or something, kind of slides Had that slightly down the body. fish-eyed lens bubbling effect on all the body parts. But I really love that work. I found it very funny and, as you say, very kind of mesmerising. And you know, there's very kind of DIY and slightly lo-fi, but still some like clever editing and like some sort of pastiche moments. It was yeah, it was cool. With that kind of baseline as well. What other works in the, the show piqued your interest? 
Um, well, we've already talked about, I think we all agree that Edward Bulmer works are beautifully displayed and, you know, gorgeous in that space and really fascinating. I also really enjoyed, um, forgive me for mispronunciation, but Sorowit Song Sataya, whose works are in the upper um, space of the gallery when you very first walk in the, in the front door. And um, speaking of humour, actually, I feel like that work that's just on the right with one of his 3D printed vases placed on the um, sort of plinth of the wood uh, is kind of just this amazing introduction to the show. It's like a quirky little uh, uh, kind of, I don't know, entrance sort of notation as you walk in. And um, yeah, I thought that was quite funny. And 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 the conversation that it's having with the other vases around the room um, is quite, they're very sort of elegant and funny and beautiful things. Um, and Stephen Cleland, the curator, actually told me an interesting anecdote about one of the works which is hanging from um, two uh, uh, ropes from the ceiling on a kind of swing and there are two of his vases uh, kind of facing towards each other with their their arms intertwined and um, Stephen told me that the works which are 3D printed um, are printed that way in the sense that they've never actually been separated, they've always been intertwined digitally and, and then physically uh, the two arms linked together and I thought that was kind of romantic in a way mm. yeah. Again I love the ambiguity of those works sexually and, and what they're trying to represent this kind of warped Disney modelling but that it kind of never stays in one place mm. Every time I see those works they're just unlike in other gallery settings they're unlike anything that I've ever seen the combination of the the felt and the presentation and the smoothness of the 3D objects. They're just very unusual visual objects. They're always quite startling. Yeah. Same time, I kind of wish that there was an opportunity sometimes with the Adam space for things to talk a little bit more to each other. You know, right. like to see those talk more with Edward Bulmore, for example, or, or, or the Signa Rose works. They yeah. get so separated by the expanse of the gallery. I, I did think it was um, sort of... Peculiar that, uh, say, the historic documentation of some performance works by Valley Export, a piece called Touch Cinema, in which uh, spectators are timed to be able to touch the artist's breasts that are in a kind of sculptural contraption around her body, and she's outside a cinema in uh, in Germany. Uh, but the the fact that that sort of hinted at, I mean, that's a very canonical performance work, and they're... There, other than the Jack Body John Miller work and and the sort of performative aspects of some of the other works, that there really wasn't that much of a thrust towards uh, making it a performance art kind of context. And for a title like Acting Out, it seemed a fairly tame exhibition for something with the premise of wanting to to sort of talk about some of these intersections of of gender and the body and so forth. But I think maybe that's due to its sort of trying to cover a lot of historical material all in one setting. And I do think, I agree that the Sorowit Sataya work was a very uh, interesting because it was one of the, f uh, the few, there were only about three more uh, on the younger end of the spectrum uh, contemporary artists in the show. It's I guess what the, one of the achievements of the, the gallery and the exhibition is the way it does actually manage to connect these, what you would have thought before, seemingly disparate, surprising artists and, and, and also media. The documentation of that work, Sexist, Jack Body collaborated with um, the choreographer Jennifer Shannon, who was strangely absent from the credits a little bit. Uh, really interesting I.B. Heller film work, John Miller's photographs. Um, it was a fascinating 
beautifully presented in the Kirk Gallery in this sort of black box gallery there, I thought, way of recreating uh, this kind of 1972 uh, mm. performance work. Beautiful, beautifully presented, and I, and I really enjoyed it. But, yeah, I did miss its context. I yeah. missed, and it was the same with a lot of the works. You kind of, I missed kind of getting more sense of context for those works. One um, thing I did think about the sexist presentation, which I, on the whole, thought was really beautiful, and I spent a long time there, and it was, it was really fascinating. I did under, and quite understand the relationship between the video that was playing, and there was a kind of soundtrack for that. But then on the um, headphones as well, you could listen to Jack Body's actual score, which was so great. Like, there's so many amazing uh, kind of layers and connections in that piece of, of found footage and um, kind of like throat singing, like a kind of guttural laughing piece. And then there was this exquisite choral piece as well. And I did wonder whether, and maybe it was possible, obviously, because there were kind of two soundtracks going on to give that more precedence. Like, I thought it would be amazing to actually hear the soundtrack actually uh, sort of amplified in the in the space as opposed to just being in that little personal experience of having the headphones on and just sort of being by yourself. Because it's, it's so extraordinary, I thought it could have been given a bit more precedence, but perhaps that wasn't possible, I don't know. It was interesting to see the, the sort of intersection of how artists deal with kind of mediated performance and practice, but I, I thought in some ways some of the works were so object-oriented that I felt that they almost were part of a different show. It was almost like trying to get several shows into the one one space, but there was a kind of curious intersection between that in the, the long um, gallery to have uh, the Valley Export work and then um, Sarah Monroe's sculpture, a sculpture painting kind of at the end seemed to be an interesting way of capitalizing on that that particular gallery, which is kind of, uh, the, the, you go from historic work and then you see this... Interesting kind of, or odd, Martin? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's um, it's a very hard space to contend with because the angles of light on that particular sort of installation, painting slash sculpture, were, were accented by the light coming in mm. into the gallery. Glenn Otto, a current Auckland-based artist, I think, who has large wall drawing and some works on plates, felt also slightly not as connected as he could be into the theme, perhaps. I don't know if people felt that. or Yes, what was going on there was sort of, I felt that the floor-based plate work was sort of, I could both make the connection of seeing the kind of artist's hand at work and then it looked like a kind of piecemeal assemblage of eyes and nose and kind of a poss possible faces kind of moving around in that space. So, yeah, I guess there was a, that connection of the actual hand of the artist and in a, I don't want to say that Pollock-like <laughs> um, uh, kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that is quite a loose sort of reference, I guess. I sort of actually thought a little bit of Do Tom Kreisler a bit in relation to oh, Glenn oh, Otto's yes. works, um, who's a obviously an artist who has that kind of sketchy, um, very kind of cleverly considered haphazardness about their work, which um, was a, a, a leap that I made. I kind of liked reading about the premise of that work to do very, very quick gestural works and then sort of see how that unfolds in the in the installation and in the wall installation. But for for me it just didn't translate visually into the kind of experience I think it was it was meant to sort mm -hmm. of have. I didn't mm -hmm. quite connect with that work. 
I want to talk about something um, and pick up with something you said earlier a little bit, Martin. I mean, there's a very clear sort of dialogue there about the sort of sexual revolution of the 60s and the 70s that goes on. But I was really interested about the conversation with the present. Whilst there are four contemporary artists in the show, that doesn't feel as strong to me. I wonder if you had any comment in terms of how the show really kind of reflects on the present day. Yeah, a thing that sort of was seemed startlingly prescient for me in the sexist work was the decision by Jack Body and his collaborators to have in the video that was projected, I believe, behind the dancers, a very feminine, that image of the very feminine man with uh, the long long hair and he's topless and he's just a very sort of beautiful, uh, slightly fey-looking um, man. And that actually triggered for me exactly that question, Mark, is that the, the sense that... Uh, now that particularly transgender issues have become much more kind of mainstream, yeah. they, they didn't. That that was a very obviously a very prescient um, d- decision by those artists. But there wasn't a work in the show that picked up on that contemporised that discussion, as you say, or kind of unpacked uh, what it meant to have that projection or what it means now. I guess probably need a, a, a two part show or a bigger gallery or more projects alongside. I think one of the difficulties with a sort of gallery like the Atom is probably their decisions about which emerging artists and younger artists are represented in a show like this, because in a way you're trying to balance the sort of consequential uh, uh, sort of aura that gets around either very huge kind of market-based artists or very sort of historical figures that have sort of turned a corner. And then how does that play into your decisions about about other artists. Uh, as we were talking about earlier, I just would mention that it was an interesting moment having this show up at the uh, contemporaneous with um, a show at Enjoy Public Gallery of Robbie Hancock, a emerging uh, painter, a recent graduate from the MFA program at Massey. And so, a uh, slight disclaimer for what it's worth, I, I know Robbie well and have worked with him um, in his studies previously, but uh, Robbie's been making very, very interesting paintings, uh, kind of um, responding to a, a kind of uh, vision of queer culture in the 19 sort of 50s through the 70s or 50s through the 80s through pict- uh, using the inspiration of pictorial magazines, old films, different graphic ephemera from that period, and then accounts and memoirs and queer theory. And so the, but the paintings are not sort of dry and conceptual in any way. They're very, very kind of uh, lush very vibrant, very well painted. They're full of humor. They're full of a kind of almost, uh, uh, it's not exactly camp. That's kind of an anachronistic way of thinking about it, but, but it's a revising notions of what it is to maybe be a younger artist dealing with uh, historical questions about uh, cultural identity and queer identity. And so it was interesting that that show was on sort of at the same time. And if you found so uh, interesting compliment in some ways mm. to some of the questions that were engaged with in the acting out show. Mm. Did you see that show, Thompson? I did, yeah, yeah. And um, the works themselves are kind of look like they're sort of slightly falling apart, but in a way that obviously is very cleverly considered. Yeah. And the palette is very, very particular, as I think lush is a very good word to describe it. Yeah. And there's a really interesting thing at play with that. Uh, I pe- think one of the source materials is um, a men's magazine, which was purportedly for men's health and fitness, but was obviously very sort of sexualized. And there's an interesting reclamation there of of uh, a kind of recycling of imagery that's really interesting and that its kind of purpose and meaning is being reworked 
when it was already being reworked in its original um, state. So that I found that really interesting. And also that that fake wall that was in Enjoy, the kind of faux wall that was put up was also quite sexy, I have to say, because it was very beautifully made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a really, really strong show and looking forward to seeing some more of Robbie Hancock. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think that's our time for today, folks. Um, we were talking about acting out at the Adam Art Gallery. Very interesting show. Thank you, Thomason and Martin, for joining us here on CircuitCast. Thank, Thank you, Luke. CircuitCast is brought to you with the assistance of Creative New Zealand, with music by Heat Pump. Follow CircuitCast on iTunes. For more information, see circuit.org.nz.